You have now arrived at Stadium Engale. Girls, ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Stadium Miguel. It's your uncle Silk. This is the All American 35 and the Gator King, Dan. Gator okay. King, that's a new, some new shit. Who crowned you, my dude? I don't know, but I don't I know. Lost in the, I lost in the Elite Eight, but since you guys didn't call yourselves one first, I'll do it, you know. Well, I, well, oh, you're the TIP of the uh, Gator, Gator Nation, you separate. King. I, you know, I, I self-proclaim my, myself uh, the Gator King or the Tiger King the same way uh, the guy on that network. Ah, I see where we're going here. Be careful for, uh, for Carol Baskin. You know, Carol Baskin listens to our show, too. So, Bro, and she's only like 30 minutes away from me, so. Yeah, there you go. That's a, that's a whole nother story. You guys watch the Tiger King? Man, that shit was weird, but... <laughs> <laughs> It, it, it's like one of them. It's like one of the, the the documentaries or whatever you want to call it that you know you watch it and then you, like as it goes you get more and more into it. Shit weird, but you still get into it. You know what I'm saying? So this guy was Bro. a gay polygamist, oh. uh, ran for president. This guy was just and, and he ran for president in his own mind because nobody <laughs> took him serious. He's the only person that took himself serious. Bro, he had 19% of the votes. Wasn't 19? <laughs> yeah, 19% bro, he his house. In his house. I didn't know bro. what I was watching. Every single <laughs> episode was a new twist and turn. Yeah, bro, it was so outlandish. The guy that lost his arm and then showed back up to work. Bro, that was a girl. That's the guy I work out on like. Girl, that's girl. a girl? Yeah. <laughs> Oh man! Bro. I gotta man. rewatch that episode now. That's a chick. Yeah, she a girl. Yeah, bro. That's a chick. Uh, and she talking about she talking about brown nosing. She went for charges. Bro, how, I could. I don't know what the craziest thing was. I don't know if it was Carol Baskin and her like feeding her like husband to the tigers, purportedly. Her no, like new husband, real happened. goofy guy. Yeah, and he's oh, next sure. to be killed for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. And Not then a- the guy in like South Carolina, oh, and yeah. then obviously Joe Exotic, and then all of the stuff that he had. I mean, like you said, Corey, between being like a gay polygamist that <laughs> like was married to a guy that like wasn't really gay, and they broke up, with it, and then like his teeth. I, I just, I, bro, I don't know what I was watching. There was a price on them cheeks, man. I, I ain't gonna lie though. It kind of tickled me when 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 the tiger bit the girl arm off, and he went out there and told the people who was ready to come in. That somebody, uh, one of the workers, stuck their arm in the cage. Like, bro, what? Bro, one of my favorite things is the the first thing he did after she got her arm bit off was throw on his, like, EMS bomber jacket and walk <laughs> over like he was paramedics. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy was so sketchy, man. Bro, this man like, had a new, bro. He had a tiger coat going on, man. Like, I don't well, understand bro, how these people lose an arm and then go back to work. That's so outlandish to me. I'll call that's off not the type of guy cold. that President Trump would, would pardon from jail. Bro, I don't think that's the exact type of guy. guy. <laughs> but do y'all, do y'all remember the part when the tiger grabbed this man's leg, bro? Like, bro, I was hoping the tiger ate him. No, I, 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 I just want, 
Hey, but you forgot he'd be strapped though. He always keeps the thing on him. Yeah, but he ain't finna bust. It was recording. He couldn't just bust the tiger in the head while they're recording. Cause now you they finna Peter. No, he would just do that. Get you out of here. Everybody get you out of here. You just shoot the tiger in the head. Uh, but I'm he just, just did it when the cameras weren't rolling. We know. I'm saying, but if the tiger attacking him though, man, you sign up for this, bro. So I gotta go let the tiger eat me. The tiger grown tiger, yeah. You signed up to, to hang out with tigers, bro. If All the tiger right, so decides a tiger, that's on you. And then I decided to be hunter. What's this? <laughs> <buddy? I decided laughs> to be no, you know, I, I you know. No, it's not, bro. You put him in a cage. Here's the thing. Here's here's the wildest thing I think of of, of of all of it. Like when the tiger was like chewing in his leg, nobody came was trying to save him. Nobody was trying to call the cops. Nobody was trying to shoot shoot warning shots. Everybody was just like, oh, let's see what the tiger's doing. They ain't trying to do none of that, bro. So I don't know, bro. Uh, the whole whole situation was weird, bro. Low key cheering for the tiger. I was like, please eat his ass, dog. What's that like and all? They like crossbreeding and all that. Like, yeah. And then, like, you start getting the stats at the end of it, and you see how many people that, that really own these big-ass cats in the States. Like, they said, there's more, they said there's more cats in captivity here in America than there are in the, the, the wild across the world. That's crazy to me. Wow. If you had to own some wild shit like that, what, what would you own, Dan? Probably a monkey. Yeah, that's about as dangerous as I would go. That's racist. Like I'm not. I'm not trying to die. Easy, easy. I'm not trying to die, but I feel like a monkey could be like a cool companion. You know, I have, like hold his hand, like walk with him on the street, yeah. uh, and, like sit on my Michael little shoulder. Cool as hell, right? Say what? Michael Jackson's monkey seemed cool as hell. Bubbles. Bubbles was pretty cool. Yeah, everybody's everybody, everybody exactly. monkey was cool that's what until they had to go to fucking jail for it. All right. But I'm not trying to go. That's the thing. I'm not going to go to jail. All right, Abai. What you finna own? What 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 exotic animal you finna own that won't kill you? Really, really, you know. I don't know, bro. Um, probably like a little bobcat or something, because that's the closest thing to a house cat, bro. Something small that ain't gonna really. Bobcats you know, get like a German Shepherd or some shit, right? How big yeah, bobcat get there? They're small, right, man. Yeah, I think they're. I think they're pretty small. Mm. Do they attack people? Oh, yeah. They, oh, yeah, no, I, I don't I don't think they get like the size of like a uh like an actual like big big game cat out there. The internet tells me nineteen pounds. Oh, so like a little bit big, you know. Yeah, that ain't big at all. That's how big it's a bobcat up. Nineteen pounds. I think I can fuck a bobcat up. Nah, all right, we'll, but... ask, we'll ask Twitter tomorrow. All right, cool. Yeah. yeah. You got, so my you got, you, you, you got a bobcat. Yeah, I've already I've already uh on 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 Twitter lost a fight to donkeys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I gave that fight up, but I think a nineteen pound bobcat I think I can hold my own, especially if I got uh the pistol on me like like my man um Joe had. What's what's uh how big are lynx? It's like link it's like a lynx a bobcat. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, I think a a, a a lynx, a bobcat is a type of lynx. Okay. I don't know what I would like to own. I think I all like, bobcats like, are lynxes, and not all lynxes are bobcats, if that makes sense. I would like a shark. A shark? Yeah. yeah. If I get, like, a big enough pool, and, and like, I'm rich, and I got a big backyard, oh, get a big enough pool to own so, some sharks. In, in college, we had uh, piranhas. I won't swim with them, though. We had piranhas yeah. in college. Yeah. 
Who you have? You allowed to own piranhas? <laughs> yeah, bro, and uh, we had them in the tank. What do you buy piranhas? Like rats. You just drop it in there. No, no. Where you do you buy it? Where, where do we get them? You you drop, hold on, hold on. No, hold on. <laughs> Slow up. Give me a second there. You drop rats in the fish tank? Over with. Yeah, I'm going to have Peter in your mentions tomorrow. See, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a friend. Uh, like, I'm uh, Vic over here, bro. Yeah, <laughs> and some, uh, and some, and some, and some, uh, some like little goldfish too. So, like when they're smaller, it's like little yeah. goldfish. And they, they just fuck them bitches up, bro. So you I, had gold, you had goldfish and brown in the same tank. Take, take, take this, out, <laughs> this out. Nah, so it's like it's like little fish that they give you, bro, from the from the store. But I was roommates with uh, Marky Anderson, so he came home with the bitches one day, and I'm like, all right, cool, all right. So fuck we got Marky Anderson. These Don't, names I haven't heard in a while, man. Shout out to Marky. I don't know if you put all that on. Can uh, you cut some stuff out? But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're good. I mean, I think the statute of limitations is far. Nah, yeah. Corona's popping, bro. Nobody's gonna cancel you right now. Nah, yeah. I just put niggas' names out and shit. But yeah, that's why. It's so sure. sure. weird, dog. I ain't never. Shout out to the Tiger King. That was dope. Uh, I, Netflix is doing their thing with some of these documentaries. They're not doing a whole lot of elite stuff, but um, they're losing some content to Disney and these other people. But I think it'd be on time, though. Like, yeah, on- yeah. Ozark season three dropped. Shout out to Cam for just throwing that in the um, messages. Yeah, Ozark season three. I finished it already. Amazing. Another amazing season. They three for three right now. They batting a hundred percent. They batting a hundred percent on each episode. They batting hundred percent on people when people die, like they're just batting hundred percent. What a hell of a cliffhanger they love. I'm, a, I'm a, not gonna spoil it, but Ozark is amazing. I love it. We gonna get to some Gator stuff. What we got, Dan? Ain't that much news, man. We ain't really got that much updates, but we got some dope interviews. Yeah, yeah, we got some dope interviews, and then we got a dope uh, start to our draft. Um, so. The Division One Council today announced that they are going to allow all spring sport athletes uh, another year of eligibility, and it won't count against any scholarship limits. So anybody that's in the spring sports, uh, not winter sports and so not basketball, but your your baseball, your softball, um, I think tennis goes in there, uh, some you know uh, outdoor track and field, those kind of folks, they're going to be eligible for another year. Uh, you know, we had this debate a couple of uh, of weeks ago. What does that mean for schools that can't afford it and those that can't? I think that there's going to be some really tough decisions, and I'm curious to see how schools are able to uh, to potentially deal with uh, those choices, right? Because do you allow everybody to come back? Do you encourage some people to move on? In which case, what does that do for the transfer portal? And are they allowed to transfer for another year somewhere else? Uh, maybe if their school doesn't allow them to come back, whatever that case may be. So there's probably a lot of uh, other things that we're going to uh, find out here soon. Uh, but it allows them um, to uh, to come back for another year of eligibility without, um, without dealing with any uh, consequences for the school. So I think that that's... Uh, a great thing that the NCAA did. So a uh, big shout out to uh, to them, the Division One uh, Council. So, so yeah, that I think happened. Be interesting. Um, real quick before you move on from yeah. that, I think it's gonna be real interesting, interesting to watch uh, because I don't think the spring football thing and the winter winter sports thing we just saw from NCAA is gonna be the last thing. Uh, I think we're cutting it hella close to not seeing football. So I want, I'm interested to see how the NCAA is going to adjust to a possible no football season and, and the 
visibility and scholarship count and all of that. Uh, we could dive deep dive into that next show. Uh, I ain't really prepared to have that conversation, um, but we we can have it next show. Yeah, no, there's a uh, there's a, a lot of things, and I'd love to have a, a deep discussion about it. Maybe we can see if uh, Sports Bar Brooks wants to come back on because I feel like he'd be a good guy to uh, to talk a little bit more about this. Stuff. But uh, th- there's going to be a lot of factors that go into this. A lot of schools can barely afford uh, to keep their athletic departments open throughout the year, and then you're adding an additional, you know, probably 50, 70, 80, whatever it might be, scholarships that are probably running at least. 75 to 200 grand a year uh, so it's a lot of money for these schools so i'm curious to see what actually happens and in how schools uh monitor and uh distribute those and you know if some schools say no and what that means and if there's lawsuits uh if if they're uh if they don't comply so i, I don't know well we'll uh, we'll keep tuned and we'll watch uh and maybe we'll try to bring uh, brooks on here in the next couple of weeks to talk a little bit more about that uh 2021 commit uh kamar wilcoxon who had previously decommitted and then committed again uh decommitted uh, so we'll move on from that. Uh, and then finally, uh, right now, Florida is the number five uh, overall team, uh, according to Las Vegas, that's getting bet money right now to win the national championship. Uh, so they sit uh, behind your traditional uh, Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia. Uh, but they're fifth overall. And they of the money that's been collected by, I forgot which sports book it was, and I'll, I'll tweet it from the, uh, the pot account tomorrow, uh, 5% of all bets for teams winning the national championship championship uh, are going to florida right now and that's the, the fifth highest odds so uh so you know vegas and and fans are, are taking florida seriously next year yeah that's is one of the reasons um um just so so bummed out about this whole corona thing man um we just set up in a great position schedule wise uh coaching turnover wise in this league uh and coaching turnover wise and quarterback turnover wise on our schedule so this is like I'm hoping they figure all this out, man. Um, of course, people are betting money on us, and we we got great odds because I think we got a lot of returning players in, a, in, in, in the key positions, and I think a lot of people see uh, the programs getting stability and where's it's, where it's at with Dan Mullen, man. So, man, I hope there's some miracle that, that gets pulled and, and for, for them at least to have fanless football for us to watch, which is going to be weird in a different dynamic and stuff because then you don't have crowd noise and these other factors in it. So that's just – We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. How about that? But, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of things that we're uh, waiting and seeing, and I think the best thing that we can do is just, if you want football season next uh, next year, just um, stay inside. I, I feel yeah, like, that's, you, know. you know, it's that hard for, for people to do. You get what I'm saying? Like, we always say, we you know, we, we want to be back to normal and we want this and we want that. But then, yeah, every time I look on social media, somebody, you know, at the beach when they're not supposed to. Or, yeah, people don't like themselves. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? So it's like, you got to stay on, home man. with yourself and realize that I don't really like me like that. <laughs> I need to be around other people. That's what it seems, man. I know it's not easy and it's harder when you're young. Um, I just don't. And we, I don't want to get into the politics of people staying home and, and how things are being done. I don't want to get into all that. But I just don't foresee it at this point it happening. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody's on the same page. Uh, the Olympics got canceled. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much stuff, stuff that comes with college football as far as those guys being in the proper shape. Those guys, uh, then the closeness and living quarters of them practicing together. All these guys are right now going back home to different cities that have different requirements as far as them staying home and quarantining. It's just so many dynamics where I don't see football happening in 2020. Well, and, 
And I'm afraid of a little bit. Some guys don't have like workout gyms and stuff. Like you got to understand, like every city or where these guys from, they don't have a place where they can just go work out. Remember, all the workout places are closed. Closed. Closed down. So you know what I'm saying? Like, so it's just making it real hard. Outside of of working out, it's just like. You, you, when you bring all these guys back in from different cities with that had different quarantine and you don't know how they were living at home, it's right. just so different when you bring all these guys back to your campus and trying to, I mean, are, have these guys been tested? Do right. you got to mm-hmm. test the whole team? Do you got to quarantine some certain parts of the team? It's just so many dynamics to this that I don't see them figuring this out. Not the NCAA, not those yeah, folks. No. And, and there's going to be so many things that go into it. And, and, you know, that that's another factor that goes into whether these schools can afford to pay scholarships next year for these kids uh, going into, um, you know, these spring sport Not athletes to get in an extra year. Can a, a poor school like FSU afford missing a whole season? Well, no, that's uh, exactly uh, no, no revenue. For most schools, football is their biggest driver of revenue, and then basketball is their second. And if they can't, if we can't figure out a way to flatten this curve and then ultimately drop, you know, that curve down, uh, you know, we're in a really unique position. And it's not just whether football could potentially get played; it's is it safe? And then ultimately, do people want to go into a ninety thousand person stadium? Right? Now, if I don't you're think still, fans happening. Yeah, I mean, if you you have a you have a well, there's a there's a risk there, right? So like, there's going to be those that say, "Hey, we're fine," and I'll and I'll go. But there's going to be a lot of people that lives are have completely changed because of this. So are they going to be willing to go to a ninety thousand, uh, you know, person stadium, or because they're quarantined, they upgraded their TV to an eighty inch, you know, ULE or you know, LED TV, whatever it is, you know, whatever the letters are now, um, you know, now they have this beautiful fancy TV, and now all of a sudden all their home improvement projects are done because they, you know, have this, you know, beautiful, you. You know, you know, they have some time off or time inside. So, yeah, I think society is going to change a lot. And I think that even if we have a football season, basketball season, full sports schedule next year, uh, it's going to be very different. And I and I don't think that the the uh, the ticket um, you know, gate numbers are going to be anywhere close to to what we've seen in the past. Yeah, I think it's just a wrap this year. Um, I don't want to harp on to like negative and, and, and uh, pessimistic uh, news. So let's hang out with some Gator greats. We got some dope interviews. Um, do we got more news before I move on to the Gator greats? I think that's I think that's what we've got for right now. Very very good. Um, we'll roll with that. Um, shout out to Kamar Wilkinson. We ain't even mad that he decommitted. Um, Dan grazed over that a little bit. Yep. Um, when players decommit from the logo, all we do is upgrade. So I expect to upgrade when everything's get back to normal. I I expect us to land somebody that's. Better and higher rank. That's what we do. Um, if he comes back into the fold, that'd be great too. But I don't get. I mean, ain't nothing going on right now. Ain't even a reason to decommit right now, unless you just wanted to decommit. <laughs> like you just, want, no you just wanted attention, bro. Yeah, like there's no visits. What changed from when you was committed to now? Like nothing, nothing has changed. There's no football going on. There's no camp. There's no visits. Um, maybe some some. Some phone recruiting could happen, but if you could decommit over that that petty stuff, like, yeah, I'm just not sweating that one. Um, that means probably one trying to be here from the get go. So I mean, that's better. Maybe we're better off. Yeah, you've been flaky, um, and it's all good. Ain't nothing personal. Um, nah, not personal. Your thing, buddy. This DBU. All we do is reload. Well, let's hang out with some Gator greats, man. Let's start with my man Jamel Canis. Yeah, and you know we have the uh, the ghost on here. It's always brought to you by Brun Insurance and Financial Services. 
anything you need insured from the panhandle to the keys holla at my man greg 954-589-2204 again 954-589-2204 anything you need insured from the panhandle to the keys whether it's a home auto life holla at my dog greg big coverage that's hang out with Jamel Cornelius, fellas. You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. And first time from Bellmead, Florida, former Gator uh, wide receiver and current head coach of uh, Fort Meade High School, uh, Jamel Cornelius. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? Good. Good, good. Hey, thanks so much for, for coming on and joining us this evening. Uh, Jamel, we ask every single person that comes on to play football at the University of Florida this exact same question. How did you ultimately decide uh, to uh, commit and play at the University of Florida? Oh, man, um, you know, when I was coming out in um, 2002, I, at that time, you know, Steve Spurrier was uh, doing the whole fun and gun. I played, I played uh, receiver my junior year, and we had a really good team. And we went to state that year. Then my senior year, uh, I switched to quarterback. So I played quarterback and I played some DV. So I had um, a lot of schools recruit me and whatnot. Um, I wanted I wanted to play offense, you know what I mean? And um, at the time, Florida had Reshea Codwell, Jabari Gaffney, um, Taylor Jacobs. So I used to go to Gainesville all the time. And, um, you know, me and my dad would take that trip. It's like two and a half hours from, from where I live at. So I remember going up there, man, and just falling in love with it and um, really just liking the way they spread the ball out. Like I said, I wanted to play receiver. It was the fun and gun, Steve Spurrier. And then uh, he ended up moving on. So I kind of, like, opened my recruitment up. Um, I, my dad, man, he, he was really good my, um, my junior year. We went on like this crazy circuit, man. We 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 got in the car. We drove to South Carolina. I did South Carolina camp, Clemson, unofficial. Uh, we took a flight to. Uh, I went to Michigan, and I drove from Michigan and went to Notre Dame camp. So he really wanted me to see, like a lot of different things. So I did all that, and then when it came down to it, I took an official to Auburn. Um, and uh, I just man, I don't know. When I went to Auburn, I liked it or whatnot. Um, but I just, I like Florida because of the tradition of throwing the ball, man. I like the way their receivers play. Coach Zook came in at the end. He came, he flew down for me, came and met with me. I went on a visit. I liked it. Uh, just everything about the campus. It was far enough away from home, but it wasn't too far. My people, um, that I had closest to me can, can still come, you know, my family. And then like the people from Fort Meade, a lot of Gator fans down here in Polk County. So, I mean, I ended up choosing Florida. That's awesome. And so, uh, you, you know, you had the opportunity to play, uh, you know, originally get uh, recruited by Steve Spurrier and then play for Ron Zook and then finish your career uh, under Urban Meyer. Talk to us a little bit about your time at at UF. I mean, you know, you really, you know, started to blossom towards, you know, towards the end of your career. But what was it like playing for, for Ron Zook? And then what was the change when Urban Meyer took over? I mean, um, when I got there, man, um, you know, I came in, I was from a 1A school, so I wasn't like, you know, the the top name in the class. I mean, we had Gavin Dickey, 
and theatric phase, and it was kind of like the headliners in the class. I got there, and uh, man, I came in. I was the last on the depth chart. Um, so I just, I just went to work, man. Um, just tried the best I could to get better and better. And um, you know, the thing people talk about the head coaching change that happened for me. When I talk to kids now, I'm a coach now. The thing that stood out to me was like my position coach changed a lot too. So when I got there, I had uh, Dwayne Dixon, um, and then I had Larry Fedora. And for whatever reason, man, I just I couldn't really break through like I wanted to. Uh, I was seeing some playing time, but wasn't getting a whole lot of playing time. And uh, you know, so I just kept working, man. I kept working, kept working. Um, you know, I was doing real good in the weight room. I was doing real good on the scout team, but for whatever reason, I couldn't really break through. And um, Coach Zook was good to me. I mean, I don't have no nothing negative to say about him. He did a great job. And then, um, you know, they ended up letting him go. And when Urban Meyer got there, I remember them calling me. They called all of, all of us when they got in and just kind of said it's a clean slate. And um, I'm going to be honest with you, I feel like I benefited from that. You know, just him coming in, everybody was on the even playing field. It didn't matter about who recruited you, how many stars you had and all that. It was just pure, hey, are you smart and are you tough? That's what they said. If you're smart and you're tough, you'll play. So um, I remember just getting that fresh start, man, and I took it and ran with it. Like you say, I, I kind of blossomed late. Um, mm -hmm. My junior senior year was, was two pretty good years for me. I had a chance to play yeah. on the national championship team. So it worked out. Yeah, before you move on, I know Dan got more questions. Um, I just got to – I just want to jump in right now. But what did it feel like when it finally clicked for you? You said that you, you – I know how it goes with a lot of these guys. I follow football. I play ball. And I know it's rough for freshmen, sophomores. And, and when it finally clicked for you later with Urban, you realized, man, I'm, I'm about to do my thing. What was that feeling like? Man, you, it was uh, – you know, it's just kind of like the thing where you like – you feel like I'm in the zone. And my story, man, my be honest with you, man, my um my college story kind of paralleled my high school um story. I mean, I was my freshman year, like down here, I was listening to Cornelius Ingram. Like my son, my son right now, he's in the seventh grade. He can play high school sports. So nice. I was I I started playing down here in Fort Meade when I was coming up. We we didn't have football. You know, I played baseball. We didn't have football until my eighth grade year. So we had to travel to other cities, and I just I just stuck to baseball. So I started playing, but I didn't really um, get recognized. I remember going to a Nike camp, and I ran a like a 4-4 or something like that at a Nike camp, but I had to drive to Georgia because I didn't get in at the one in Miami. So I, I drove to Georgia, and um, that's when I kind of – burst onto the scene then i had a good junior senior it's the same thing but when it finally clicked um it's, it was a great feeling man but i i feel and i consider that i was an overachiever i won the most talented kid coming in i won the biggest i worked to become the strongest at one point i was the strongest um in that position group when they do all the stuff the clean the squats the 40 they used to do all that stuff i was always ranked number one in that receiving room um but i worked at it you know, I put a lot of hard work and dedication into it. You know, coming from a small town like that, that's kind of all I knew. I was 
I wasn't never the biggest, the strongest, or the fastest, but I just had the mentality that you won't outwork me. And I think um, so. Where's that come from? Where'd you pick up that work ethic from? My dad, man. It was uh, my dad's a pastor, man. But uh, just growing up, he just taught me that like you got to work hard. You know, you just got to you got to work hard. Don't love it. Don't ever let it be said that you ain't a hard worker. And nobody should ever. You should never feel like somebody outwork you. So I just took that to heart, man. Took it with me, and um, it 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 has taken me a long way. That's what's up, man. Um, I see you you you're doing your thing now. Um, with with your coaching, you spoke about that a little bit. Um, how's it? We just spoke to um, Cornelius Ingram last week, and he's a head coach as well. He's doing his thing. How's it feel to be back at home and working with those guys in your city and being like not not you're the mentor. The, the, the the father figure now. It feel good, man. Um, like I said, man, me and Cornelius' stories are very similar. I'm I'm back in Fort Me. Fort Me is small. We're in the same classification as um Cornelius. So I came in and uh, you know, I had opportunity to coach here at Fort Me. I I just finished my 11th season, so I've seen a lot. And uh, my number one thing was like a lot of people in Fort Me. We have good athletes. Like uh, we got a guy, Andrew McCutcheon, that playing with the um, Philadelphia Phillies right now. He was drafted in the first round. Uh, we had Ontario McCaleb. He played at Auburn. He ended up winning the national championship. We had um, Brandon Fulks that was out there at Auburn. Um, so we've had a lot of guys go off, and I just wanted to come back and, you know, give back. And me being able to go – and be around a lot of people, meet a lot of people, use what I learned and the resources I have to help these guys, you know, get to the next level if they're good enough. And then also just like you say, to be that that mentor, that father figure. I grew up, I had a dad in the home, but a lot of kids that I grew up, they didn't. And uh, uh, like I said, like my dad is very instrumental in my life. When I was growing up, we didn't have football until seventh grade, but my dad was like my little league baseball coach. And he was a pastor, so he used to get a van and literally pick up everybody in the neighborhood. And we used to go practice, like, nonstop. And he's just teaching us different things. And so, like, for me now, it comes naturally. That's that's just what I do. Like, I coach. I'm like, like see, I was saying, I coach um, football here. And then I coach. I'm, my daddy was the president of the Dixie Youth um, Baseball. So I coach baseball. I've been doing that. I got a daughter. She do travel softball. I help with that. It's just like coaching is something that just came natural to me. Um, and it, I'm enjoying it, man. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm in my 11th year. It's a little different for me because I've been around longer. And the longer you're, you're uh, in one place, you know, you kind of make sure you got to make sure you're fresh. Because, you know, sometimes being from a small town, everybody knows you. So, you know, a lot of these kids, they saw me at Florida. They was younger when I first came in, so they was it was natural. They can just be like, oh, that's he. He came to my elementary school. Well, these I've been in it so long now. A lot of these kids, like you, you be like they be like, hey, you know, Coach played at UF. I'm like, nah, you lying, man. They'll go YouTube it or look up an article, and then they'll come back and like, dang, Coach, I ain't know you played because I'm getting older. You know what I'm saying? So it's a little different, yeah. but um, it's I'm still enjoying it. I uh cap. They don't know you as cap. I know you as cap. This nah. is mine. I mean, <laughs> you lie a lot, bro. 
Nah, Cap, like Captain. Oh, right, okay. That's yeah. what's up. It's Cap. So, you know, uh, you know, we, we spoke about how, how you are in your community, uh, being able to get an opportunity to go back to your community and, and basically be a, a role model. Well, I don't know if you know, um, and a lot of people don't know this, but, you know, c- coming up, you know, behind you guys and wanting to be just like that 016 because, y- you know, you guys were leaving when we were coming in. Um, we really looked up to you guys and we, re- we really looked up to Cap, you know, and, and, and you know, the first thing, you know, we, we, we uh, heard about you when we first got there is, you know, you from back home, but also you one of the team captains and everybody looked up to you, man. You, you went about your stuff the right way. Um, you know, you, you didn't, you didn't complain about nothing. Um, you, you know, you ain't argue with people. You, know, you, just, you went in, took care of business and, uh, and, and went about your day. So talk about what it means to be a captain or a leader, um, and, and uh, Urban's regime, man. And, uh, um, talk about like what what that means when you're a captain in that in that uh, facility. Well, um, it's funny that you bring it up, man. Like honestly, um, the way I became I I got that role, it was really like a life changing experience, man. Because I I was not very vocal, you know. Even in high school, I kind of just went about my business, like you say. I just you know show up and do what I got to do, and um, I remember, man, when we was there, Urban Meyer, a different guy. He intense. And if you're not, if you ain't a go-getter, if you ain't like a, a guy that's going to be intense and really get after it, it's no hide. You you just can't hide. And when he's the head coach, you can't hide. He's going to find out his guys, um, and he's going to push his guys. Um, so I remember, man, we was kind of going through transition. And I remember when they came in, they told us, our plan is infallible. Like, it works. Everywhere we go, it works. And he said, um, the, the one thing that will stop us from succeeding is resistance. So if you don't resist, the quicker y'all get the resistance out of here, you'll see results. So, you, you know, you kind of hear that. But we still had a lot of guys, man, that weren't really bought in. A lot of different things going on. And I remember he called us in. He had a team meeting. And, I, and like, he was basically calling people out. And I, I promise you, man, I never say anything. I went three years in that program while I was just doing what I was supposed to do, you know, going to class, working out, giving my all. And I felt like he was he was calling everybody out. He was kind of like saying stuff. And I remember him getting on Chris Lee about not being vocal and whatnot. So I'm kind of like, man, mm. I don't know what got into me, man. So he said something like this, dude. Anybody have anything to say? And I promise you, to this day, I can't explain what made me say something because I, I never say anything. So I said something. I, was, I said something to the effect like, you calling out the people who are getting in trouble and stuff, but you ain't recognizing, like, guys like me and Chris, we, we're not doing that. We ain't getting in trouble. We ain't partying or whatever. We committed. And he looked at me, and he basically, like, called me out, like, what you just said is so selfish. He said, if you're doing the right thing and you know other guys are not, that don't make you no better than them. You should be putting them guys alone. And uh, he called me out, man. And from that day forward, it, honestly, I can honestly say I probably would not be like the head coach here at Fort Meade. I do a lot of speaking, a lot of like, you know, speaking engagements or whatnot. Before that conversation, though, I was kind of real passive. 
And just after that conversation, I, I picked up my workouts and all that. But then I became like, like uh, Black was just saying, I became like almost like the uncle of the team. Like, you know, talking to guys outside of football, um, hanging out, you know, having people over and just building that chemistry. And it led to, uh, you know, me kind of getting that name. And um, it was an honor, man. You know, I, I just, it was little stuff that I didn't, that I kind of took for granted. And now that I'm done playing, it's like, man, every he told me every game, I'm sending you out to the coin talk. And it's yeah. like, you represent the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like, you don't really, t- you're like, man, you don't really think about it. And then when you sit back and you watching games now, and you, and you, and you, play back like man I really had a big role in that and just being you know in his inner circle and uh just all the lessons that he taught me man it I'm really indebted to him he had a real big influence on my life man so I I'll I'll talk about all the time uh you know with with some of my teammates and um some of the guys who went through the program where Urban was there and we talk about how animated his uh team meetings were could you elaborate on that a little bit, man? Let the people know how animated he is in his team meetings. Man, but, listen. you know, let, let the people know that if there, is there any one thing that Urban said or did in the, in the meeting that you, it kind of stuck with you today? Well, uh, you know, he just, just like, it's just certain stuff he used to say, man. Like, the special teams meeting was so intense, man. And I was on, like, all the special teams meetings. And um, I remember, like, see, I was talking about like uh the preparation and he used to always talk about the plan to win and then that cat like one time we played i think we played lsu or somebody and um he was but the night before he he would be so critical like we're gonna snap the ball they're gonna punt it our punter gonna punt it we're gonna march down and he was like some people say it's luck he said i don't believe in luck you either prepared or you're unprepared he was like so when we punt the ball and this guy fumbled the ball, I don't want to hear it was because the sun was in his eyes. No, because we're prepared. We know where our punter going to put it. We know where the coverage going to be. We're going to knock the ball loose. We're going to pick it up, and the swamp going to go crazy. And I promise, it happened. Shit happened, bro. Riley Cooper. And so, listen, so, and then, like, we used to put the punt blocks in, and he'll sit there, and, and he'll show the clicker. He was like, he'll say stuff like, I stayed up. I could not sleep last night. I could not sleep. I timed it out. Watch this. When he do this, this is when he snaps it. And he'll be like, I put this in. You're going to block a punt. I kid you not. You are going there. You block the punt. And it's just like, it's yeah, crazy, bro. man. It's crazy. And then the stuff, the stuff I remember the most, though, Black, was after we lose, man. Like, after you lose, that cat come in, and he be like, look, man, I ain't saved in three days. I I can't sleep. I I ain't sh- and it's like you feel that. It's like you and yeah. so you take on you take on that personality. Like man, we can't lose. We can't do it. Man, I, 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 hold on, hold on, real quick, man. Um, all that shit feel like as a fan, bro. I'm a I'm a, I'm a fan boy for this for all this shit, dog. Oh, so all Lord. this, I feel I'm feeling all this shit you saying, man. But how I feel to win, you know what I'm saying? Like how, how what's that yeah. feeling like to win for a guy like that that treat losses like that? Man, listen, when you win, bro, you win. It's like, see, Black Mill came in. We, we, we was getting all up. It was all new to us. We had been winning. So um, 
the victory Monday, man, we used to come in and he's playing the game, playing the game back. We eating like king, man. Like we in there eating steaks. Uh, you know, he used to always say this thing, it's like winners get trinkets. So man, we we it was all new to us. We getting this gear, like out the equipment room. It was mm. new to us, so we didn't win. We we weren't winning like that. And I never forget that cat used to be kept telling us, like he was like, it's nothing like going into a meeting and you got rocks on your hand and you sit mm. on the table and you can hit your hand and and it make that clinking sound. So oh, like we like that gangster man, shit. he had listen man, he had us on the edge of our seats, man. And it's like we winning and we just. It was it was a great time, man. And you got to remember, we winning, and at the same time, basketball team winning. So they was calling us uh, title town. Already. So we got like we got that first wave of like winning. You know what I'm saying? So I'm 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 gonna interrupt you a little bit. I'm gonna give y'all some more stories, man. A lot of these Gator fans want to hear this. Um, Jamel, I know you know you say after the losses is when he when he's he's animated and whatnot, man. So you talked about a victory Monday, right? So after we lost yeah. to Ole Miss in 2008, he came in and he was like, you know, so upset that we lost. And he wasn't screaming. He wasn't yelling. He wasn't. I can't remember him doing any of that. You know what I'm saying? I just remember the morale was down. We was in the locker room. You know, it was just right after the game. And, you know, usually our families would come in and, you know, we all get together on a Sunday and we had like church or something. You know, we, you know, watch, watch the film or whatnot every now and then, but not really. Cause we'll come back on that Monday and, and do it. Well, after we lost the old Miss, he made everybody, you know, get geared back up, and we practiced on Sunday, bro. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so from the old Miss loss until he left, we would practice on Sundays, and then we'll be off on Mondays. All right. And then on mm. Mondays, um, Spikes would run the meeting. When Spikes left, I ran the meeting. And it'll just be all of the defense, right? And then, you know, we'll we, you know, we get ourselves some food or whatnot. And um, we got all the Gatorades there. So um, we will run the meet. Well, I would run the meeting or Spikes would run it, you know, before I got to my senior year. And, uh, you know, they'll bring down the uh, scout report and whatnot, um, you know, talk about the team, you know, that we're about to play against and, you know, what they like to do and whatnot. But, yeah, bro. So they, they just completely yeah. took out. Well, we still have Victory Monday. We, we, we still ate afterwards. And we ate well. Yeah. But we still practice, you know. Um, yeah, but you know, uh, what a lot of people also don't know as well is bro, <laughs> urban always, you know, pick certain players for certain plays. Right. And you had a huge yep. moment in what? 2006 SEC championship. Fake punt. Yeah, man. Yes. Listen, talk about that. Please, fake punt. Talk about it. how many times listen. did y'all practice that before they actually ran? It? Exactly. So you already know, listen, we, we put that in preseason. He used to call it blitz at nine. And I promise you. Yep, we run yep. every day, every, every single day. Blitz at nine, blitz at nine. So it's kind of one of the things you run it so much. It's kind of like all right, it's the, it's a trick play, you know. We got it in there. So man, we get to the SEC championship, and uh, you know the, the game. We needed some momentum, man. And the cat, <laughs> we, we get on the sideline, and he was like, uh, as calm as day, man. He was like, all right, here we go, blitz at nine. Let's go. And I'm like, I'm like, he ain't give me no. He was like, blitz it nine, get the first down. And it was like no hesitation. And we had did it so much. And you all you hear is the preparation. Either prepare or unprepared. I don't believe in luck. So he called it. And mm. everybody feel like, hey, if he called it, we're going to get it. Yeah. 
simple as that. And that's just, that's just how he was, man. Another play, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, another play um, that, that we took a long time to actually run um, for a lot of you Gator fans out there was the jump pass in the national championship. Urban said they spent hours and hours and hours trying to figure out who are they going to throw the jump pass to, when are we going, when, when were we going to run it again, and if we we're going to ever run it again. And they picked the perfect time to run it in the national championship to win the game. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize, but a lot of times on the jump pass, it's the last person who you would think was going to get the ball. No disrespect to Tate Casey. Who the heck thought Tate Casey was going to catch the ball down there? Nobody. Who the heck thought David Nelson was going to catch that ball in that championship? Nobody. You see what I'm saying? So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, man, it's crazy because I remember the first time we did it, it was in LSU. And like you said, it was Tate Casey, you know, and I was standing out there. And I told the DB, they had some good DBs. I was like, I went out there. We was in like a jumbo set on the goal line. Everybody know Tebow about to ram it in. And I, I remember going out there again, lining up and telling the DB, hey, hey man, watch this play. And he looking at me <laughs> like, what? And I'm like, man, just watch this play. So when they snapped the ball, I ain't even come off the line of scrimmage. I'm just watching. Yeah. Man. Hey, Jamel, just to switch back to you, to you being a coach, what's the, what's the hardest part about being a, being a coach right now? The hardest part about being a coach right now, um, I think right now uh, in Fort Meade specifically is we we have a whole lot of success in the early 90s. I mean, the late 90s, 2000, we went on like a 13-year run. We was pretty good. So um, I think like the older the kids get, I think it's kind of like that entitlement, you know, for a town like this. Um, but, I mean, the ki- a lot of people say the kids are different. Um, I do believe kids are different to an extent. But, like, see, I was saying, if you earn their respect, they'll play hard for you. Um, but for, for me specifically, I think it's just the entitlement. And then also, these guys now, they they on Instagram, and so – you everybody see what everybody doing so you could be on instagram um in high school and you see a guy and he posts his highlights he's a five-star guy four-star guy getting offers and um i think the the instagram life make it seem like it's so easy so you may not necessarily see what this guy doing um you know when he's not on instagram how hard he's working or what resources he had so a lot of times I think they look at Instagram and think, oh, if he did it, I should be able to get it. But you got to make sure that you're you're working. And I think that's the biggest thing is uh, nowadays when guys work hard, that's considered like rare. You know, a lot of guys just want to get it. But I do think, man, like in Polk County, because I'm down here in Polk County and I am seeing like our county last year, man, We these kids, man, they working hard. You know, um, you know, we had, you know, Lakeland always going to be there last year. Uh, Lake Wales was pretty good. Um, Lake Gibson was pretty good last year. Then uh, we just had a bar toe in Polk County. They just won the state championship. So I do think this this different wave of kids um, in Polk County are working hard. Our guys, I mean, they've been working hard. We've been, the last two seasons been real rough on us. We've been real young. But um, I think this group coming up, they, uh, they work pretty hard. And my son, man, I'm, I'm going to take a minute. I'm a dad. So I got a son. He in the seventh grade. 
Um, his little group, he uh, he was 12 over the summer. They went to uh, North Carolina, and they won the Dixie Youth World Series. And then um, he played football on Fort Meade. They had a uh, they 12 U team won a uh, Super Bowl in their division. So he got like he in the seventh grade, and uh, we got a group of seventh, eighth, eighth, seventh, and sixth graders that like I, I can see they got like that that hunger and that desire to win. So I'm excited to see what they what they do. Now, Jamel, you won a national championship. You made it to the NFL. Um, you back coaching at the crib. Um, what are you passionate about now? What's next? What's 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 the end all be all? What's the goals now? What's the new goals? The new ambitions. What do you go well, for, man? Right now, man, I'm trying to, um, you know, I really want to win a state championship, man. I, I haven't been able to do that, so I'm really. You know that's that's a goal that you always have, man, and uh, that's one of the things that that I would like to do. And then now my approach is a little different, man. Like I said, I got a I got a um, son in the seventh grade, and um, I spent a lot of time with him. Um, you know, so I, I want to kind of see where how all that how that play out. And I kind of think to myself, you know, I I spent a whole lot of time coaching, and um, you know I. I've coached other people's kids or been able to put them in a position to be successful. So I want to be around to to coach when he's around, man. And um, that's What's that dynamic that like? What's, what's like um, – I have a son that's seven years old. So having a son that age, what's the balance in between, like, living vicariously through them and, and it being their dreams? Like, what do you find that balance? Well, I, this, 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 this is what it is for me. Um and he'll tell you this. I never, I never told my son he had to play sports. Never, never did it. Um, and I'm gonna be honest with you. Like, I'm not the type to say, "Hey, man, let's get some work in." If you don't ask me, we, we ain't doing no work. I just I like feel that. like if, if if you don't want it, it ain't no sense in me um, trying to put it put it in you. So, just like yesterday, we were hanging out at my mom's house. So he really liked basketball. You know, he played all three sports. And right now I told him, you know, you're going to play all three. You don't have to pick one. But if you're going to, you know, if you want to play all three, you're going to play all three. So he's sitting at the house and my mom and he, he playing videos on YouTube, but we all looking at it. So he's looking at like Kyrie Irving and, mm-hmm. and all these guys. So my daddy trying to tell him, look, man, you looking at these guys, but you got to remember before them was, Magic Johnson, you know, Isaiah Thomas and all this and that. So they, they had a whole, he had a whole debate on who the best. So my son, like Kobe. So we trying to explain to him, Kobe was trying to be like Mike. So yeah. long story short, he, he, he pulls up my, um, my YouTube. So he was like, dad, I bet you don't even know. I, I don't watch this like 20, 25 times. He was like, do you ever look at it? I was like, no, nah, man, my time up. I don't like living in the past. So we get done watching it, and uh, we get back to the house, and he say, uh, we got to work out. Like, what you talking about? It's like 7.30. He was like, if I'm going to be like them guys I just watched, I got to put the work in. Got to clock in. And he was like, don't take it easy on me. So I recognized that he was he had that in him. 
at a young age. So I just, I mean, I go with, I go with the flow, man. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm thankful that he does have a uh, skill. Cause a lot of times if you're coaching your son, it's obvious if he, he don't have that skill and you just put him out there, you know? Yeah. And, uh, he's been in a lot of situations where he plays and I'm not, I'm not the coach, you know, he's still doing little league. So he got to pave his own way. Um, like that. And I told him, man, you know, you know, your your name is your name. I I'm, I am who I am. I've done what I've done, and um, it is what it is. If you want to do it, you can. But I always tease him, man. I got a, I have a uh, a nine year old daughter. Listen, man, she she athletic. She real athletic. So I always tell him, you ain't even the best athlete. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But she just she just don't. She's not, man. She her body, man. Like she cut. She real. Like she just got an athletic build, but she just she ain't into it like that. Gotcha. Hey man, I appreciate you for coming and hanging out with us, man. It's a dope conversation. Um, keep doing your thing out there for me, man. We need just like Canadian Ingram. I told him, man, we need y'all in these communities putting in this type of work, man. We need y'all out there wearing this logo and doing, you know, what I'm saying great things in the community. No doubt, man. I appreciate y'all, man. I enjoy the show, man. Absolutely, we appreciate you coming on, bro. We'll uh, we'll have you on in the future. All right, thank you. Hey, best of luck. All right. One of the first ones I wore. I wore six when I played ball, man. So I, you know, so I can relate to Jamil a little bit. I can see that. <laughs> you can see it. I can see I mean, that. Yeah, yeah. I loved watching Jamil. He was there my uh, my freshman year, um, and he was just one of those kind of unsung heroes. You know, guy that was reliable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, had some, had some big plays, but you know, like he said, kind of guy that did things right and, and never had any problems off the field, produced when he needed to, ended up with a, uh, with a ring, you know, bounced around, you know, some NFL teams, uh, you know, some practice squads and stuff like that, but got to live out his dream, returned to his uh, hometown. And, and now he's living, living that dream and impacting those kids. So back to back weeks where we've got guys that, uh, that won rings at Florida that went back to their hometown and, and, and changing the world down there. So that's awesome. Yeah. I think that's dope. And I think that brings bring, it brings some reality to the young maybe kid that may listen to this show and just want to go to the NFL and those type of things, man. So just bring, you know what I'm saying? Everything full circle and it ain't nothing wrong with going to get a job when you out of the league. You know what I'm saying? It's actually very normal. I think, I think you know, as a society, we got to change that, bro, and just let these kids know and understand that if they don't make it to the to the league or professionally, then that's, it's okay, you know? And it's, you know, it's too, too many times I see these kids think they're a failure if they don't make it to that level. And that, you know, everybody don't make that level, and it may maybe not be not be meant for you to make it to that level. But you got to look at the bright side of things and all the all the things that football taught you. And if you if you literally literally went out there every single time you stepped on the field and gave it your one hundred percent every single time you stepped on the field, and you ain't leave, if you ain't you ain't leave nothing on the field, bro. You just gave it your all every single time. When your time done, you done. You know that. Now yeah. you got. If, if you like, man, I don't know, man, I want to go, you know, maybe you love playing football and, and maybe that's it. You know, uh, I'm, you know, I can't speak mm-hmm. for everybody. I you know every time I stepped on that field, bro, I gave it my all every single time. One hundred percent. I ain't leave yeah. nothing, nothing on the table, bro. Every single time. So now I can look at football and say, I don't owe that game. Nothing, bro. Because I'm going to tell you and one thing, another thing before we go ahead and move forward, because we got to get this other gated grade on. Anybody that made it to those three letters in mm-hmm. FL are the gladiators. Of modern day, 
Anybody that made those rocks, I don't care if they got cut. I don't, bro. Anybody that made that got a trial, <laughs> trial. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. you know what type of athlete you gotta be to make that? You know, a small percentage of this this country <laughs> makes that. So uh-huh. anybody that made that a modern day gladiators, I don't, I don't care if it's a kicker. Like when I when I when I put on my gloves or when I put on my shirt and whatever, and it said NFL on it, it just it, I had a shield. It meant something different, you know. Mm-hmm. And. Oh, Usually the people that got the most to say are the ones that want to be there so bad and was not good enough, it, 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 yeah. you know, whatever reason or, you know. But anybody that really played this game and tried to get to that level of respect, no, no, respects yeah. it, man. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, you, you can talk crazy all you want, but it's a lot of great all-time players that didn't make it to that league. You know what I'm saying? Chris Lee is a is a – look at the numbers. You know what I'm saying? The things he did, and, and he didn't even have, really have a chance. But – um. Yeah, let's let's kick with Judd Davis a little bit. We were talking a little kicker talk, so mm. Judd Davis is a gladiator. Gladiator. <laughs> let's hang out. You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. And then our second number six for today. But the first time joining us on Stadium and Gale is former walk-on and then finish his career at UF. Well, I guess almost finished his career at UF as the Lou Groza winner. Judd Davis. Judd, how are you today? I appreciate that. Yeah, this doesn't get much longer than a walk-on kicker, does it? That's about as low as you can get, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that, that's interesting. Um, and, I, and I mean that from the kindest place in my heart. You went from a walk-on kicker, and then you know, two years later, you win the Lou Groza Award for the best kicker in the country. Talk to us a little bit about you know what your recruitment period looked like. I mean, I know for, for a while, a lot of kickers were, were walk-ons. Uh, but talk to us a little bit about your recruiting process and how you ended up at UF. Yeah, you know, um, I actually uh, didn't play my, my junior year. I got hurt, so I, I and uh, I was out my knee, and so I played my senior year. I, I, had some, I had a really good year, but, you know, I wasn't on anybody's radar, and so I started sending around tapes to everybody and seeing how to get some attention, and then uh, all of a sudden this young, this young uh, swashbuckling coach from Duke was coming to Florida named Steve Spurrier, and my dad was lucky enough to get a tape in front of one of his assistants and uh he, he watched it and um called me up and said you know come on out let's see, let's see what you got and and uh they had like nine of us out there and they cut everybody and kept me um and i did both i was the only guy that punted and kicked and then i just kind of just kind of made my way next thing i know I'm at, I'm at the back of the line stretching in the gator helmet and i'm like jesus this is amazing and then you know it kind of goes in cycles you just you just hope one day won't maybe one day i'll maybe i'll make the travel team walk one out of the tunnel and then you do that, and then also maybe one day I'll, he'll, they'll let me kick an extra point, and then you, you finally get in there, and, and you just kind of wait your turn. But, with, you know, with Spurrier, it's, it's kind of hectic, you know. I mean, uh, it's a little nerve-wracking with him as far as the kicker goes. I mean, back then, because, you know, he hated he hated uh, his offense to come off the field. So it was a lot of pressure on the kicker for him, actually. Did you ever think that you could win the Lou Groza Award? Or, I mean, did you go in with a lot of confidence? I mean, obviously injuring your knee, then you have your senior year, and then you, you ended up walking on. I mean, did you think that you, you had that in you? Or, or talk to us a little bit about, about that mentally. 
Well, it's it's interesting as a kicker. It's it's you're you're kind of in your own world as a kicker. It's totally different than you know, any other position, you know. And the thing is, you can be. I mean, I've seen some really good kickers in practice, but then you go over there in the swamp or even in a scrimmage in front of ten thousand people, and all of a sudden they can't make them. So, and the thing is, you don't know, you know. I mean, I was I I went seven of eight my senior year in high school. I kicked a forty nine yard, but so I made the team, and I thought, okay, I can do this, and it kind of goes in steps. And I, you know. And, and I felt, and with, with me it was, I, I thought I, w- I wasn't getting a chance. Spurrier actually recruited a kid named Bart Edmondson. He was all everything in high school, brought him in. And I thought, well, that might be my window. And Bill Bart started struggling. Um, and he was struggling for the first four or five games. And finally I thought, you know what, I, I'm either I'm going to transfer and try to go somewhere else, I'm going to do this. And I remember telling Shane Edge, my, my roommate, I'm sure you, you know of the Pooh, Connor, I said, Shane, I'm going to go, I'm going to go tell coach when I thought. And Shane said, you're not going to do that. So I said, what the heck? So I got up and went up to his office and knocked on the door and he was in there. I went and sat down. This is on a Wednesday before South Carolina. And I said, coach, I, I, you know, I feel like I should be giving a shot. And he kind of looked at me like, who's this, you know, what, what are you doing in my office? And so I, he, he, we talked a minute and that was that. And then we go on and then we went to that game and Bart actually missed a short field goal in the South Carolina game. And then at halftime, we're sitting in the hallway, just kind of hanging out and, Spur walks out of the hallway, looks down at us, and says, okay, Bart, you're out. Judd, you're up. And, and that was it. And then that, that was my <laughs> shot in the second half. And, and, and the thing is, with kicking, you don't know. I mean, I always tell people this. You don't know what you're going to do when you get out there. You run out there in front of 90,000, 95,000 people. You pray it'll go through, but you don't know. I mean, pressure's an amazing thing. You don't know if you're going to make it. And I kicked a couple extra points that, that half, and then the next week Spur named me the starter against Vanderbilt, and I think I kicked three field goals against Vanderbilt, and, he, and I kind of gave me one of the game balls. So I go from telling him on a Wednesday that I'm leaving, that I, I'm, I may leave if I don't get a chance to, the next thing I know, you know, and the next year I go and first-team All-American, and, then they, and I win the Groza. So it's just a crazy thing, but pressure is interesting. You either focus or you fold, and Ahmad knows that. You just don't know how you're going to react until you actually get out there and do it, you know? Yeah. So, so how do you, how did you prepare for that, or how do you calm those nerves, or how do you focus on the goalposts? I mean, obviously going from, from kicking in high school to then all of a sudden you're kicking in front of 90,000 fans. You know, how do you mentally prepare yourself for that? Well, you, you, I guess it's with kicking, it's like, it's, it's very similar to golf, you know? I mean, there's guys that can hit um, they go on the driving range and just can't miss it, but they go in that first tee in front of people and they, you know, they're spraying into the That's crowd. That's me. And, That's me. Yeah, I know. It, <laughs> golf, golf and kicking is so similar. It's eerie. I mean, it's because it's just you and the ball. And and it's 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 a strange thing because as a kicker, you don't, you may not get another chance. You miss and you go out and you, and you, you sit there. If you're a receiver or you maybe drop one, you're going to get some other balls thrown to you or, or you're a lineman or a D lineman, you know, you're going to you get beat on one play, you'll get him on the next one. But kicking, you don't know. You got one shot at it, and then you just pray that maybe you'll get another one. Again. So it's just basically repetitive. When you take those steps back, that's why kickers, you take three steps back, two over. You want to you try to be on that same blade of grass, the same – you would basically want to be a robot. And, and the kick from the right hash to the left hash, it's, they're all straight kicks. You just want to you, – you're lining them straight back, and you basically just want to – you know, just boom, 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 and do the same thing repetitive over the way. And then that's when the pressure, then it gets in between your ears and then the pressure, and then whether you're, head, you're yipping at it or just swinging through it. And I don't know, with me, I just said, okay, I'm just going to kick the ball in that general direction. I never really dialed it into really aiming. I would kick in that just general direction 
and it would go through and I just, well, and then, and then confidence builds. It's when the toughest kick is the one after you miss, that's the tough one. It's not when you've made a bunch in a row, your confidence is the roof. It's when you miss and then you go on to the next one, you think, okay, I can, I can miss two in a row. And then your brain says, it's just like a golf. You've missed, you've missed three fairways in a row. You, you know, you're going to miss the next one. Or by vice versa, if you've hit in every fairway row, you swing harder at it because you know it's going to go right down the middle. It's it's amazing how mental it is. Joe, what's like what's a miss like coming to the sidelines and running to Steve Spurrier? What what's the conversation like? How did it go down? <laughs> he, you know, it's funny. Like it's it was weird because he's as a, as a coach, you know, I was up there third third and long or something, and and then he, you know he doesn't get the first down. He never. You never would really yell field goal. He was just kind of his visors on the ground. He's pissed off, you know. He's thinking, okay, we're going in to kick. And he always used to look at me like, like, damn it, you know, I didn't get seven, and you better get me three. And then when I would make, it was never like he never like would come up to me and I mean, he's like, it was like that's your job, get out of my face, you know. It's that's <laughs> supposed to make, you know, you know what I mean. But yeah, it. Uh, and it wasn't really much to me. I remember one game when Tennessee, we were down in the, oh, God, this is my, my junior year. We were down, and it was like a 46-yarder. And, I, I mean, he would never say anything, really. But I remember I ran five yards on the field, and I hear, I hear Judd. And I turn around, and he looks at me, he points at me, and he goes, make it, like that. And I thought, <laughs> oh, damn, he, he really looks at him. I remember being twice as nervous because he just told me to make it. And I remember I made it, and he came back and he hit me on the helmet. But yeah, just uh, and then he was basically our kicking coach. He would stand behind us in practice, if you remember. And he would, because you know, a lot of people don't I mean, forget he kicked that. He kicked the forty-yarder to, to beat Auburn the year he won the Heisman. Yeah, and, I mean, it's, it's, oh, yeah, it's I didn't truly know amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's a year nineteen sixty-six, and the story goes, and I've heard it, and this is true. Their kicker didn't have a very strong leg, and. What, what, five seconds left on the clock, 40 yard, and he told Coach Ray Graves, I'll kick it. And How do you think the conversation went, out, went down, Judd? How do you think the conversation went down? That's not like a hilarious conversation, though. Right? That, that, that's I, hilarious. He's probably coaching the kicker up, and Steve was just like, yeah, no, nah, I, 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 I got I, it. Just <laughs> imagine him saying that with a young face. like Speaking how he speaks, a young face. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I used to tell Danny Werfel, I said, Danny, if I was ever going after your field goal and you told me that you were going to kick it and try to pull me off, I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, I mean, but that's just Spurrier. I mean, the guy, the guy's a gamer. I mean, and he was a hell of a punter, too. So he would stand behind me and practice, and, and then sometimes he'd make me kick to see how many sp- sprints the team would run at the end of the day, and that was brutal. He would tell me we're going to kick three field goals from 45 yards. And everyone I missed, the team would run a 100-yard sprint. And, you know, I've done nothing all day. And these guys are, well, you know, relying on me, this kicker, to decide how many sprints they run. God. And that was almost worse than the game. But Spurrier knew how to replicate pressure in practice, and that's tough to do. Yeah, definitely. Um, Judd, I'm put you on the high seat a little bit. What's your top three Gator uh, place kickers all time? Mm. Top three all time. I think if you lined up all everybody on the wall all time, I, I mean, you know, Pat Dooley was talking to me. I think Eddie and Arrow, man. I mean, the guy. I mean, he didn't. He only kicked a couple of games. Mm. like the big game he was winner. Talented, but, but you might get a little disrespectful here a little bit. Good. 
Well, I know. Listen, Caleb Sturgis is there. Um, Jeff, Jeff Chandler's there. I mean, those three right there. You know, um, you know, it, it's. Uh, but but Eddie, I mean, strongest leg. I've kicked with a lot of guys. I've I've kicked with Eddie just as recently as a couple of years ago, and yeah, I remember I've never that. seen it a stronger. A, I've never seen a stronger leg like that in my life. And then his senior year, I think he made his last 14 in a row. I mean, that's unbelievable. Um, mm-hmm. And even even if you ask Caleb and Jeff, they probably would say, you know, I don't know. I mean, any any of those three, you know, and I like, I like to throw my name on the hat. I'll, I'll be in there. <laughs> so, but, yeah, those You're three the only one to win the loo. So, uh, like, how much you value the loo? Well, yeah, I mean, it's 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 amazing. I I have that trophy in my living room right now. And, I mean, for, that, for a kicker, that's the – that's the Heisman, and it's just it's it's that's open so many. I mean, I always tell Danny Werfel. I mean, I can't. I always say, Dan, I can't imagine what the what winning the Heisman watch has done for you in your life. I mean, you can imagine you're talking about life changing, but just winning this trophy for me is I've been able to do like a lot of things. I mean, you know, on a smaller level, but it, it's pretty cool. And as these years go on, and people, I'll, I'll see them, and they'll say, "Wow, you won the Lugrosa," and it's 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 pretty cool. I mean, it's you know now there's a lot of awards out there for all the different, but. Uh, yeah, it'll it'll always be right there, and my son sees it, and now he kicks. He actually kicks for Dartmouth right now, and uh, so he he really appreciates it as well. He was ranked pretty high as well, right? I remember him being in the recruiting yeah. um, circuit a little bit. He was, he was. He's a very. I mean, he shattered every record, all the county records. I mean, he just. But he he went and got a thirty-five on the ACT, which is Ooh. if you know your ACT number. Yeah, and then all of a sudden. <laughs> all of a sudden, Harvard, Princeton, Yale, all these schools are calling me. I'm going, okay, this is a world I've never even seen mm-hmm. before. And then here's my son telling me, Dad, I want to get an Ivy League degree. Who am I to tell him to go get yeah, I mean, he's going to graduate from Dartmouth with a computer science degree. Ooh. And, I mean, and he, he, I know, and he's up there kicking, and he loves it. And, and um, he's playing for Buddy T. Even Sam McCorkle's up there with him. Um, and uh, But, I mean, it, even Dan Mullen told me, Coach Mullen said, when he, I told him he was going to go to Dartmouth, he said, because uh, Coach Mullen coached to Brown. He was in that RB League world, and he said, Kai, he said, Jeff, that's the best decision your son's ever going to make, ever. And as you know, Amon, the NFL is fleeting. I mean, it's especially for kickers. It's a tough it's go around, man. I mean, definitely. And then he's going to leave with a degree from Dartmouth. I mean, don't get me wrong, Florida's an incredible degree, but when you graduate with an Ivy League degree, oh, my gosh, the doors different. are just huge. Yeah, yeah. And he's, you know, he's having the time. Granny's walking to class in two feet of snow at the time, but he loves it. Hey, Joe, what was your favorite memory from your uh, from your time at UF? Um, gosh, there was some. You know, it, it's strange because when I was there, you know, I got there. I remember sitting there in 1990 when Coach Burr walked in and introduced himself, and I I left there with four rings, and I thought at the time, oh, I'm going to go to UF. And, you, you leave with SEC rings. That's just the way you do it. Now, I mean, I have those rings on my on my mantle, and to, to get it as you know, as you get an SEC ring today, I mean, you're playing for the national championship probably. I mean, half the time. Um, so just you know, being able to, I mean, as far as kicking wise, it was probably 1993 against Georgia um, when we played, and there was I don't know three four inches of rain fell before the game, and it was just an absolute mud pit. Um, and I mean, it was just, if you watch the tapes of Eric Red and the, and the sliding across the field and the water slide and the, and the water coming down the stands. And I was able, I don't know how I went four for four on field goals. I don't know really how I did. I just kind of kicked it out of the mud and they went through and 
that game really won me the grows up. So, and then we won in the last play of the game. Eric Dyer uh, threw that pass in the back of the end, and it was dropped. And so that game against Georgia is probably the greatest, you know, memory for myself, along with, you know, being able to fortunate. I never got the big ring. I knew as soon as I left, they were going to get the national championship. And lo and behold, 96, they pull it off. But I was pretty fortunate to be there with when Spur came in and really changed the whole SEC. You know, he really did. So, so talk about uh, some of the rival games when you played. What were some of the biggest, um, as far as like uh, fan wise, uh, what game was was the most hyped up when you were in school? I know a lot of times uh, it was Georgia game that, that's hyped up every year. But what else was hyped up when you played? Well, back then, I mean, it was Florida, Florida State. I mean, Florida State was. It's funny some of these. Young kids now don't realize that you know. That's my game right there. Yeah, Yeah. Florida State was just. I mean, that game between Florida and Florida State decided who played for them. I mean, it was only top five, and it was. But but Spurrier, we had Georgia's number in Tennessee, but my gosh, and unfortunately, my my senior year was the choke and doke. If you guys can remember, I mean, we were winning thirty-one to three at the start of the fourth quarter. Thirty-one to three. That's not ruining a good time. Uh, What's that? Let's not ruin a good time. Yeah, we don't want. We don't want. <laughs> Jeez, oh, we... that was a nightmare. Yeah, so that. But I mean, we when we um, let's see, played to go. Peyton Manning, um, his freshman year, came in the game, and we shut out Tennessee at Tennessee. That was pretty cool. He came in late as a freshman, and we picked him off. Um, and then what? And Death Valley against LSU. What did we drop? Like fifty-two points against LSU, the biggest loss they're ever in their in their career. But. I mean, back then, my gosh, I, we, we scored so many points. I mean, my first two games of my senior year, we scored, what, 69 against Kentucky and 70 against – I mean, I kicked 20 extra points in two – I mean, I'm not bragging about me, Jeez. but 20 extra points. In two, that some, I think I was told that's an NCAA record for the most extra points kicked in back-to-back games, 10 and 10. And, I'm, and like I said, that's, that's not bragging on me. It's just extra points. But my senior year in high school, I kicked 15 the entire year. And to kick 20 in two games, I mean, that's just – and people used to rip Spurrier because they said he was running up the score. But, Ahmad, as you remember, our, our threes and fours on the bench yeah, they're could pretty have started good. at half the schools. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. like Bama now. They're, they're, they're yeah. so loaded and they're, they're so deep that these kids get on the field and they want to score for their parents. So they're not – you know, yeah. they're, they're going to give it yeah, everything Steve, they got. But, Steve but scored those, man. So, he did. I, I, just, it, I, I always look at that, like, mercy rules and stuff. And, like, how, like, how do you tell – Backups to go in and not score, or go in and not do well. Like, I don't really correlate. I know Bam was so. putting in the, their third string tailback, and he was like a four or five star coming out. And you know, and he's, he's not, <laughs> not, not, not to take it to the house and he breaks the hole. I just it is it, that's how deep Florida was in the nineties, and and when when and then Urban came in with and Tebow and the whole crew, and uh, but it's it's not fair when you're that deep, and that's what that's what. Um, Saban's doing it at uh, at Alabama now. It's just somebody's got to knock the giant down eventually. And now, Joe, what are you what are you doing now? I know that you uh, after you finished at, at Florida, I think you went to the NFL for for a little bit. But now you're you're back down in in Ocala, um, back in uh, in Alachua County. What are you up to these days? Actually, I work with another another pretty darn good walk on named Chris Doring. So Chris ah. and I have been working together at Chris Dorn Mortgage, and 
and uh, he, he can talk me into coming to work for him. So I've been with him now three or four years. And okay. yeah, it's, uh, it's the shrine. It's the shrine to Doring when you walk in the office. And I'm like, dude, can I have like one picture in the joint? You know, <laughs> Doring's Dor- great because we always talk. And whenever somebody comes in to see us, it's, you know, I think we're, we're the two of us are always kind of up there as some of the, the top, the two, I mean, a couple of the top uh, walk-ons at Florida. I mean, there's some great ones oh, with Oliver and some... <laughs> incredible walk-ons but yeah Doring was uh I mean if you remember that guy I mean I've never seen anybody with better hands than that guy he was uh he, he was amazing so that's yeah I've been working with him and it's it's always great to to hang out and tell war stories as I might I'll tell you absolutely yeah. he's a he's a stadium and Gale alum as well so you guys will have to uh, to chop it up about your your time together oh yeah absolutely yeah. Always, the Doring's a good time he, he, he likes to he likes to get it going still he's still 19 in his head yeah <laughs> I love it, man. Well, Judd, well, we appreciate you uh, you coming on, talk to us a little bit about uh, your time at UF and your career there. Uh, you on social media? You do anything? Um, are you around the program still quite a bit, living down there in Ocala? Or? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm still. I've, I'm, I've been out with the, the kickers for years. You know, all through all the coaches, I've kind of gone and then I kind of meet the kickers as they come in, and um, I got to know Eddie and Caleb Sturgis, and kind of, you know, you got to be careful because you can't just go off there and because you, you know. You, it's a violation as far as the coach, but um, I'll go out there and work with them. And they have the new guy, the new uh, kick, uh, guru that just came in. Um, I haven't met him yet. And, and Murphy, Keith Murphy went up to uh, Michigan stay with, uh, I mean, uh, oh, no, I'm sorry, central Michigan with the uh, McElwain. So yeah, I'm yeah. around the crew. I'm only around. Absolutely. For sure. I love it, man. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Judd, for, uh, for coming on. We'll have you on in the future and, uh, and go Gators. All right. Anytime guys. Appreciate it. I appreciate safe. you, man. Thanks for hanging out. Judd Davis. Another legend, boys. Yeah, we just getting, you know, we get the Lou winners. Bang, the Heisman bang. winners. The national champs. Um, anybody that's in title town doing big things, we get them on Stadium Miguel. But here's what the people have been waiting for, Daniel. Let's do it. All right. So um, as we talked about last episode, uh, over the next uh, probably three or four weeks, got to figure it out. Uh, we're going to pick our all-time team. So we're going to have a bit of a draft. So uh, we're going to break it up this week into just drafting uh, quarterbacks, wide receivers, uh, tight end, and a running back. So we're each allowed to draft two quarterbacks, uh, each allowed to draft three wide receivers, uh, two running backs, and then one tight end. So um, I need a pin. Hold on. Yeah. Uh, we have. <laughs> I'm not using my notepad. I'm good. Very good, very good. So we have um, the entire pool of anybody that's ever uh, played at UF uh, to be uh, in this list. We've got um, any order that you want to select them, so we're not going to draft by category. The entire pool is open. Uh, and then at the end of this, we're going to put them out there, and we're going to have you guys decide on which team uh, you think would win. So each coach uh, is going to announce it. There's going to be a uh, probably 20, 30-second um, you know, time limit in between picks. But, uh, Cam, were you able to, uh, to draft us an order here? Sorry, guys. Let me get myself unmuted. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, Ahmad's got the first pick, and Dan yeah, the last. Yeah, it's all snake order. It's fine. So, so, I'm sorry, say that one more time. It's, go, it's Ahmad, Ahmad Silk, Silk, Dan. Dan, and then we'll go okay. Dan, Silk, Ahmad. Very good. Yeah, we know how snake work, bro. I'm just saying. <laughs> I think Dan's got the best spot. <laughs> all right, cool. All right, Ahmad, you're on the clock, bro. 
I'm on the clock. Mod on the clock. What's the clock? Like, we need a timer too, though, because this is on the clock. It ain't even like a real like fantasy draft clock. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah, yeah. Just be be ready when it's your pick. This is radio. Uh, all right, Ahmad, you're up. First pick. First with the first pick in the Stadium Miguel 2020 Gator Drive. Ahmad Black selects dun 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 dun, dun. Percy Harvin, wide receiver. All right. Okay, that was. That's strange. Um, <laughs> I'm ready for a pick two. I'll take Tebow at quarterback. Go ahead and scratch that off, fellas. Okay. I, right. that, that was interesting, though, Amar. I think we'll have to revisit that afterwards. We'll we'll, we'll talk that's, about our draft picks after the show. That's a good pick, but number one overall. All right. Um, yeah, a lot my, of possibilities at wide receiver. Number one overall. But, but here's the thing, though. Percy didn't just play wide receiver. Uh-huh. Oh, that's 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 the difference if you want to take Emmett or Fred out the field. We'll figure that out later. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I like your vibe. Go ahead, Dan. I don't like the. I don't want to talk yeah, too much, I, Dan. You, I'm, you're third. We're I'm giving gonna, Dan I'm too much time. With, yeah, I'm going to go with Heisman Trophy winner Danny Werfel uh, as my first quarterback uh, of selection, and then my my second pick, uh, pick number four, is is Emmett Smith. Ooh, ooh. Dan hit us with the blum blum real quick. Blum, real quick, and uh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Make sure y'all write down who, who y'all got, man. So, and then I'm gonna write down. Yeah, I got, well. I got, I got Tebow, bro. Um, we only got one pick. Uh, okay. Wide receiver. Uh, I think I'm a no. Uh, I'm still not getting my wide receiver back yet. Let me go ahead and get Fred off the uh, off the docket real quick. So I'll take Fred at running back on, on on round two. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna shake up the draft a little bit. I'm gonna go running backs. I'm gonna go uh, Ed Rett. Okay. Oh, Rett. So it's back on. Yeah, back to you. Back to you, Amon. No, no. Yeah, yo, yeah, it's back to Amon. Sure. All right. And then ah, uh, quarterback. 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 Ah. Uh, Woo! Chris Leak me. Woo. Interesting. That boy took Leak over Chris. Um, Leak me. He took over Rex. Over Rex. Rex. Pretty much was like that. that, that trying and, to see and that. He was sitting out there. And, and, we'll, and, we'll, and, talk and, we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. All right, all right. Because that can't, that was that took a lot of thought out of me, bro. Yeah. I didn't want to, you know. I did some research. Yeah. I'm, I'm starting to feel a little bit right now, like the middle spot is really not the spot to be. Um, <laughs> y'all back on me a little bit, pause. But I, I like it. I'm gonna go ahead and keep it. I'm gonna keep it. Keep it all the way country. Keep it all the way Bell Glade. Keep it all the way five six one. Give me Rita Antoinette wide receiver. Ooh. All right. Well, then since he's sitting out there, I've got to take Rex Grossman as my backup, and then from there, I'm gonna get into. Ooh, I mean, because when he was here, I know he's an older guy. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Carlos Alvarez as my first wide receiver pick. I ain't mad at. I ain't mad at Carlos at all. I'm mad at you. I'm not mad at you. All right, boom. It's on me. No, bro, it's on me. Easy, easy. Number number one one pick guy. Um, All right. I think the big three, man. So let me go ahead and since it's back on me, I'm gonna go wide receiver. Give me Ike. Woo. 
Yeah, you mean, you mean a little bit of Ike Turner there, bro. All right. All right. I'm going to go running back. Got one, I got... I got Neil Anderson. Mm. All right. And then, wide receiver. I'm going to go with Jabbar Gaffney. Ooh, that's okay. interesting. That's very interesting. Jabbar Gaffney. Is it on me? It's on me, correct? It yeah, is. All right, if it's on me, let me go ahead and take uh, Jacquez Green at wide receiver. I get the big three. The, Just got the three of them? Is yeah, might one? as well. You guys going to give me this layup. Give me the greatest trio right. of all time in college football. I would take uh, Jacquez Green. All right. Okay. I, I'm going to go um, – I think I might go Willie Jackson, wide receiver. Ooh, I like Willie. I like Willie. That's a sleeper. That's a sleeper. And then um, – Man, just because of his time at uh, at UF, I might break out the other first tight end and go uh, go Aaron Hernandez. Mm, I like that. Ah man, oh man, now oh man. Now it's on me. Um, I'm gonna go. Um, let me go. I'm gonna go back up running back. How about that? Um, give me. I take Seattle phase on backup running back. Give me, give me Seattle. I like that. I like that. All right, Ahmad, your last two picks. What I got left? A tight end, and I got a quarterback. Right? I don't know. I think yeah, that sounds right. All right, tight end, tight end. If this guy can stay healthy, dog. You know what? I ain't even gonna go there. Ben Troop, man. Tight end, Ben Troop. Okay. Ben's interesting. So he's back on you again, Ahmad. All right, and and my quarterback. Ah, uh, Rexy off the table. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 I kind of want to go old school a little bit. Um, let me think. Let me think. I got somebody in mind, but Shane Matthews, me man. We're gonna go okay. Shane. Shane yeah. Ripper. I know he will. Okay. Yeah, I need a backup quarterback. So um, Jesse Palmer, me. Um, that's gonna be my next pick because I need a backup quarterback. Mm. See, I need a running back and a wide receiver. So I'm gonna go running back. I'm gonna go with my boy Ernest Graham. And then wide receiver. Wide receiver. I think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go old school again. Go Jack Jackson. I like it. Um, so it's back on me with tight end. Yeah. Correct. It's a, okay. Yeah. I need a tight end. I, I, I'm just going to go with. Um, I'm stuck between which one I want to go with, but I'm gonna go with um. Give me Cornelius Ingram. That's mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, got, I think I only got two hours. I think 
I think you have one more pick, Ahmad. Yeah. yeah that's and uh, man, that's why our receiver gonna be something serious. Mm. Mm. Want someone that's gonna blow the top off something, man? A lot of people be forgetting about this dude too. I'm gonna go Chad Jackson. I like Chad. Okay. That's a good one. Chad. I like Chad's a good one. I'm gonna pick Chad Jackson. A lot of people forget about y'all. Him. Y'all yeah. wide receiver corpse looking funny in the light compared to mine, though. Mm-hmm. Don't own um, me, Dan. I don't know what y'all talking about. We I got the boy. greatest trio of all time, bro. Like, don't get disrespectful, cause no, I'm not not getting disrespectful. No, nah, we can't. You, you do have a good wide receiver room. That's right. He's gonna go with getting Nebraska defensive backs. We'll let the people. We'll figure this all out at the end. But I like where I, I like where I stand at today. I thought it was very interesting that 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 uh, Ahmad took, um, and I'm a Leak fan. I love, I'm, I'm high, I'm very high on Leak. Mm-hmm. But I was interested that when I picked Tebow, I was interested to see who would be the next quarterback taken out of that, and it was mm-hmm. it was um, it was wow. Leak. Yeah, I just, no, I, I, I took I took Danny Werfel, and then he took Leak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I did those two. I thought I say I thought I picked Tebow. Oh, um, my bad. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you went waffle. It was yeah. interesting to see. I just, you know, he's one of the quarterbacks that we, we, you know, everybody loves, especially when we talk about him. But I don't think he gets enough credit for that 2006 national championship. I think that people automatically always it's his national it. championship. Yeah, they always throw it to Tebow and say, you know, Tebow won too. When in reality, I think they forget that even even Chris Leak was a was a Heisman, you know, hopeful. I think he was. You know, like a preseason Heisman candidate or something like that. His numbers are official. They're, they're crazy. Um, they're up there. He's he's one of the the greats, like man. Thousand yards, bro, literally. So like, yeah. You know, I you know he he throwed one of the prettiest balls I've ever seen, um, Paul. So, um, but yeah, man, you know, <laughs> I I had to go with him, bro. You know, I had to go with him. I like it. Um, so next week we continue the draft. This this was fun. Elite um, show, fellas. Are we gonna we gonna we gonna tweet out what we what we got so far, or are we gonna we gonna keep it on? Yeah, up? I wanna yeah we're gonna throw it out on the graphic just to get it out there and get the um people kind of talking about uh, need, the draft and whatnot. The graphic, bro, it's just like it show like just like X's and O's and how they name under it at, at each position or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Hey Cam, yeah. can get the get the order of uh, the draft too, so we know which round went when. And, and you know what I'm saying? Let's get this all on the graphic. It'd be dope for the timeline. Everybody see and and chime in. Yeah, there's some good players left on the board too. Yeah, for sure. That's tough. Bro, definitely. Who got the song this week? Gotta be Ahmad. He, he hasn't it's been here be in like two months. I got a song. <laughs> Ahmad, you got a word of the week before you get started? Uh, I really don't. I ain't even gonna lie, bro. Yeah. Okay. You got you, you pretty much hip to the game right now, Dan. I gotta get something that'll swindle you, bro. All right. We'll, we'll put on hold till next week. You got a bunch of quarantine time to figure it out. Uh, bro, uh, but I'm uh, I'm not quarantined. I'm going to fucking work every day. But at least I got a job, bro. There's plenty of people that don't. You feel me? That's right. Uh, uh, really? Exact Tech up here, bro. Uh, exact Tech yeah. Arena, who they named mm-hmm. They uh, they uh, let go of almost seventy people, bro. It's like sixty-five people. Like they let go of the HR dude, man. I'm making hundred grand. Hundred grand. Yeah, man. Before we get out of here, man, prayers up to everybody. We all dealing with this together. Let's be in this together. Um, let's be not at each other's throat. Yep. Uh, not choosing parties and all of this. We all got to go through this together, man. There's no red and blue. It's just all of us in this shit together. So let's just get through it. 
Um, we'll come out on top. Yes, we'll come out on the other side. We always do. Uh, this is just life. Life is happening. Change is happening. Embrace it. Let's change with it. You know? Who got Amar, what you got for us? Don't play a song in the speaker. Yeah, bro. I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to hold on for a minute because I wasn't even prepared. I didn't prepare. You haven't been here in like three months, bro. You should have like, <laughs> you should have like albums ready. You should boy. have a playlist ready. <laughs> <laughs> How's Junior doing, by the way? How's the sequel? Man, he's he's downstairs, man, getting it in at nighttime. At nighttime, yeah, like he don't want to sleep, dog. That man, that man tries his hardest to be up all night, bro, and and be sleep all day. I'm talking about at, in the daytime, bro. When he sleep, it's a, like a slump sleep, like it just his arm will be laid just across That's you. His like my son, he's seven. And that's what I'm saying, then, bro. Like this man, <laughs> come home, bro. This man slump. I'm like, bro, you ain't work all day, bro. Like, what you got going on, man? Um, it's all fun though, man. I love kids. You got a song yet, bro? I'm trying to stall. I'm stalling the people. Right, we, might have to, we might have to cut and come back. In a second. <laughs> Dan, how you rolling over there? You 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 working from home now, or you, you still going to the yeah, office? Yeah, I've been working. I've been working from home for like two weeks, so uh, I I stay pretty busy. I, I work in IT, so we're. Uh, um, we just got we got a bunch of stuff going on. Um, so a lot of my clients, um, you know, have needs, and and they're. Uh, we're trying to help them as best as we can, but, uh, you know, it's definitely different. A lot of conference calls now, I usually like to like wine and dine a lot of my clients and, and we go out to lunch a lot or, or go to golf, happy hour, cigar bars, whatever it is. But, but now that we don't do that, it's now a bunch of conference calls and, and trying to make, trying to make the best that we can. But, you know, I want to make sure that, you know, me and my team are, are, you know, following our social distancing and trying to keep it away. Cause you know, we all want to get back to life as normal. So yeah, we've been working from home for about two weeks now. Um, yeah, so no doubt. I've been, I've been, I've probably been getting more work done. I've probably been more productive uh, at home than I am at the office, just in terms of just kind of limiting some of those, you know, water cooler conversations or getting distracted. I'm um, just trying to trying to stay focused, man. But uh, I'm also trying to support, uh, you know, some local businesses when I can, if it's takeout or whatever. And I know Corey, you and I probably disagree a little bit on that, but, um, oh, no, you know, I'm just, I'm just scared like that, a little but, bitch right now, Dan. I ain't really like yeah. judging other people. It's just, yeah. I'm just like freaked out about everything that's going on, but no, I'm not judging, man. Some yeah. people, um, some people, my, like, I got friends that are really just, hanging out and not taking it serious at all and i got some friends kind of taking it serious and then it's just me it's levels to all of this you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. No, yeah, i get it yeah so um, I'm, I'm trying to support uh you know some of those folks trying to buy local when i can a lot of them are doing uh delivery or door delivery now um you know so trying to get wine and you know food and all that stuff trying to support the people uh yeah. you know that hopefully they can make it out the best that they can and you know it's going to be a weird world when all this is you know kind of uh when all this is done everything's back to work but whatever i can do to support them the best i can now um i'm doing that so i'm um, trying to, to try to shout out businesses that are doing unique things and there's a couple breweries here uh in the tampa bay area that have turned into making sanitizer and and doing some stuff so i want to shout those companies out as well yeah and also anybody um any local businesses, fans, fans of the show, man, hit us up. If we can help y'all out in any type of way, uh, hit up Stady Miguel, um, and we'll see what we can do. Uh, if if there's any small business businesses or online businesses that you guys know, support them. Um, that's what because we the people, we at the bottom, we we what really matters, man. Um, let's not get caught up in all the hype of everything else, the big big business and all that stuff. Let's look out for one another, you know. 
that uh, a lot, bro. We gave you like we gave you a whole. We just did a whole other made up segment on the fly. You got something? Yeah, man. I got us. Are we gonna go with uh, yes, indeed, by uh, Drake and Lil Baby? I like it. Yeah. Hey, same corner, same time next week. The best Gator podcast screaming. Believe that. Hello. Hey, Jamal, how are you? It's Dan with uh, Stadium and Gale. I'm doing good. How you doing? Good, good, good. Um, I want to introduce the other two guys. Uh, you probably know one, Ahmad Black. What's up, man? Yeah, yeah, I'm What's, What's up on? with you, man? Oh, Connie. I know. You already know. And then we got uh, Silk. Hey, this is here's a funny for you. What's up, Jamal? How's it going, man? What's good, man? I'm all right. Just hanging out. When we have a uh, uh, white guest on, uh, Dan always said we have Corey. Uh, they call him Silk. <laughs> 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 we, we got Jamel Kniez on here. He already said you already know. He said, "Yo, we got Silk on here." <laughs> <laughs> All of that's a hundred percent true. I <laughs> right, just hang out, man. Keep this on the uh, keep this on the podcast. Now, uh, Jamel, we'll um, we're gonna do a quick intro for you. Jump right into it, and then uh, I'll go from there. All right, sound good. All right, three, two, one. Hello. Hey, Judd, how are you? It's Dan with uh, Stadium and Gale. Hey, Hello? hey, how are you, bud? Yeah, good. You got me? Yeah, I got you. Um, we got a mod on the show. Hey, what's going on, man? How's it going? I'm how are you doing, man? I'm great. How about yourself? I'm just. Uh... Waiting for the zombie apocalypse to attack any time now. Man, that's right. That's right. And then we got uh, we got Corey. He goes by Silk. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how's it going, Doug? Yeah. Dash a digi, the schedule busy, my head in a hoodie, my shorty a goodie, my cousins are crazy, my cousins like boogie, life is amazing, it is what it should be, been here for 10 but I feel like a rookie, I tell her look up cause it's snowing in tussies, but for three years man you can't even book me, it's me and lil baby, the shit going crazy, Weezy produced it and Weezy F made me and she held it down so she got a Mercedes, your money records, the army, the navy, they ran me 10,000, I threw it like Brady, the foreign is yellow like Tracy and Katie, I trust in my niggas, they never betray me, met all these niggas, they sweeter than Sadie, when I started out, I just took what they gave me Did all the favors, they never repaid me It worked in my favor, cause nobody said Brand new whip, got no keys Tell them I close, no starch, please Soon as I nut, you can go leave Got M's in the bank, like yes, indeed Cardio glasses, I won't even peek at you Yellow Ferrari like Pikachu I got him waiting and watching what he gon' do Tryna pee what I do, tryna steal my moves 2500 for a new pair of tennis shoes The same price I can make them youngins come and finish you Lawyer being charged, he a Jewish like a voodoo Real dope boy, 100,000 in his visa Presidents of 10 slide by, we don't see you I been getting money, I ain't worried about what he do I'm getting money like I'm from the 80s Man, Dre by the drop, man, this shit gon' go crazy They know I'm the truth, come and scrape from the basement I'm straight as a squeak, man, I come from the pavement A million all hundreds, it make them go crazy Wham, wham, wham on the baby, brand new whip, got no keys. Tell them my clothes, no starch, please. Soon as I nut, you can go leave. Got M's in the bank, like yes, indeed. Me and my dog going all the way. When you're living like this, they supposed to hate. Brand new whip, got no keys. Tell them my clothes, no starch, please. Soon as I nut, you can go leave. Got M's in the bank, like yes, indeed. Me and my dog going all the way. When you're living like this, they supposed to hate.